0: Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you.
1: Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, welcome into this edition of 48 Days Online Radio. we got a lot to cover today. We've got a lot of success stories. We've got a formula for what you should be spending on your own personal improvement. Got a lot of questions about that, so I just put together a formula that I'm going to be sharing with you. got some information about the latest summer job scams that are going around out there, especially if you're college students. Want to give you some tips on that. Hey, on our show today is brought to you by Harry's. Our friends at harrys.com, you hear me talk about them frequently, whether it's in a spot like this or just talking about a lifestyle, but Harry's is who I use for my shaving every morning. Got a couple of interesting questions about that, but harrys.com. If you use 48 days as your code there, you're going to get $5 off. They're very reasonable purchase price. Going to be a great Father's Day gift. I'll talk about that a little bit more in a second. Well, I want you to always remain a student. Now that may sound a little contradictory because I talk about Sometimes I'm not sure it's time well spent when you're sitting in a classroom somewhere, especially if you're borrowing money to do that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about continuous learning. Always remain a student. Got a quotation that'll enlighten us on that a little bit. Here's some of the questions today. Dan, the ad read, make $25 an hour as a nanny. Is that too good to be true? Dan, I wrestle with calling versus my passions. How do you reconcile if you think you have a calling to do something, but you're not even sure it lines up with your passion or your talent? We'll talk a little bit about that again. Dan, I'm afraid to engage with the community. I'm afraid I'm going to waste people's time. All right. How about this one? I'm a voice for the ordinary American worker who has a job. I hope we get to that. With all the offers for programs to improve my life, how much should I spend on that process? Great question. I love that. And I, I think there are really some guidelines we can look at on that. Well, this quotation comes from Austin Kleon, young guy who wrote a little book called Steal Like an Artist. We recommend highly. One of Joanne's favorites, little, little books, Steal Like an Artist. But Austin says, attempt mastery, but always remain a student. I heard him in an interview just this week with Ken Coleman, who hosts the Dave Ramsey Entree Leadership Podcast. Great segment on there with his interview with Austin. If you're interested in that, jump over there and check that out as well. Well, a couple of little tidbits here. I get updates from the United States Bureau of Labor Statistics, you know, all the time, and they're usually really discouraging. As a matter of fact, they even have that category for discouraged workers you know, there's hundreds of thousands of people that the government puts in a category as discouraged workers because they really have given up on the idea that there's a job out there for them at all. They aren't looking anymore. Well, what they don't realize is a whole lot of those discouraged workers have come to life because they discovered something a whole lot better than just finding a job. And they've put their skills and abilities to work, their passions, their talents, Geez, they got a little landscaping business or they're washing windows or they're detailing cars or they're doing a delivery service or they've got an online business. They're doing something on eBay or Amazon. I mean, all kinds of people that the government would classify as discouraged workers because they aren't showing up as showing up at the unemployment office anymore. But it's not because they're discouraged, because they are encouraged and doing something else. Well, be that as it may. All right. Total Non-farm, this is interesting, the government still classifies jobs as farm and non-farm. And when you consider the small number of people who are working in farm jobs, it seems like an artificial category, but it's one of those things that, you know, once established as a government program or statistic, you can never get rid of it. It just builds itself in even long after the need is fulfilled or gone. So total non-farm payroll employment increased by 280,000 in May. So last month, you know, 280,000 more jobs than there were. Well, that sounds like a pretty reasonable number. Uh, The unemployment rate was essentially unchanged 5.5%. Now you have to realize 5.5% unemployment is really full employment. We're never going to get it to zero. That would be ludicrous. I mean, it would be artificial in every way. You don't get to zero unemployment because there's always going to be people in transition. People are thinking about doing new things, companies that are just restructuring. So, really, 5% is considered, I mean, zero, essentially. We're never going to get below that. That would, there would be some strange things going on if we ever had an unemployment factor below that. So, that's really good. And that ought to be encouraging to any of you who are, in fact, in the job search right now or trying to figure out what it is that you're going to do in this process of finding or creating work that is in fact meaningful fulfilling and profitable well you still looking for a father's day gift check out my friends at harry's i mean what a cool thing to get somebody who is a father uh, my sons and son-in-law are well supplied with harry's i saw a picture when of of i'm put up just this week again about a new shipment that he just got, but I've introduced them. They're all big Harry's fans. But anyway, Harry's is, you know, I got a note from Mark Stump who said, Dan, how did your challenge go? Did you make your Harry's blade last 48 days? Uh, somebody put up a, a new cover for 48 days to the work you love book. And it was 48 shaves, 48 days to the shave. You love, I forget exactly the wording, but anyways, 48 shaves is really cool kind of takeoff on 48 days book. So I said I ought to try that. Well in fact I did. Yes I did. Now I don't know if I've got a soft fuzzy stubble compared to some of you guys out there who may have wire but 48 days is no problem at all with the the, the Harry's blades that I use. I won't even tell you how long I sometimes use them but they seem to just go on till I just decide eh, it's time for a new one. It's not because it's dragon the, the blades are really amazing let me read you a couple of things here and i'll go on in some of the harry's information that they send me they talk about the gothic arch like the dome and spire of an old church each of the five razor blades in our cartridges are shaped into a gothic arch patterned to be strong at the base and sharp at the tip these blades work together to crisply and cleanly shave even the thickest hair and leave your skin feeling fresh and smooth now that, that's a pretty uh artistic kind of description of what they are. But hey, check it out. Go to harrys.com. Use 48 days as a code. Get $5 off that perfect Father's Day gift. Now let's go to some success stories. Wendy Schultz says, about a year ago, I contacted you asking if I should wait out my miserable job until I could make the big leap with my business full-time or if I should find a new job in the interim. I'm happy to report that I am now a full-time entrepreneur and recently opened my dream store in a vacation town in Door County, Wisconsin. My sales so far this year are up 650% more than my entire last year's sales. Plus, my busy season hasn't even started yet. I'm truly living the dream. Thank you for recommending that I stick out my old job for a short time before making the big leap. It made it possible for me to become a full-time entrepreneur. If you're ever in Egg Harbor, Wisconsin, be sure to stop in to say hi. I'd love to buy you lunch. Well, thanks for your note, Wendy. Um, Egg Harbor, Wisconsin isn't something that shows up in my itinerary very often. Not sure where that is, but I'll be sure to keep that in mind. Love to see what you're doing. I see in your email, you've got the simple life decor at gmail.com. So I assume that's probably the name of your little store. I would be delighted to know more about your shop and congratulations for making the move. Okay, this comes from Annie Conter. Who says, Dan, I just caught up in my podcast. I almost choked in my coffee when you mentioned my book, The Nun Diaries. There's no doubt in my mind, your shout out led to a 100% increase in downloads from all over the world. Thank you so much for downloading it, which I did, incidentally. I read it at lunch the other day. It's just a delightful little book about um, Annie's one year as a nun in a convent. Delightful little book, The Nun Diaries. You have no idea how much the 48 Days Community has meant to me. I remember just over three years ago, I was frustrated and about to take a $12 hour, dollar an hour job just to quit teaching. Now I work a quiet nine to five job that allows me to concentrate on my writing at night and on weekends. I have a series of books planned that I'm very excited to slowly launch over the next months and years. Thank you for your inspiration you provide each week. Well, thanks, Annie, for your note. Got a note from Marcy Travis. Last week, I mentioned Marcy's ebook, on Job Seeker Daily Positive Affirmations. And you can go there. If you go to Marcy Travis, M-A-R-C-Y, T-R-A-V-I-S, you can still find her daily positive information affirmations for job seekers. And I loved it. It's really got great artwork with it. Really a neat little book. Anyway, she says I want to give a big shout out to you for mentioning my website and free positive affirmations for job seekers ebook on Last Friday's podcast. I really appreciate the kind things you said and even read from the book. Wow. My email list from last Friday night has increased by 45% and they're still coming in. Yeah. You know, when I, when I share things on here, I mean, I, I share them sincerely because I am thrilled with the success stories that you all have and the things that you do to get in the game. And so when you have something like that to share, yeah, I'm delighted to pass the word on here. And I know that it gives it a, gives it a significant bump. And I'm thrilled to just pass on a success like that. Well, this comes from Bill Farrell. Bill Farrell has a, put up a really interesting post on 48days.net community, five steps to live with greater intention. And he had just gone to a funeral, kind of reminded of, you know, gee, what are people going to say at my funeral? And so he, he lists the things that we ought to do to live with more intention you know, number one, write down what you want people to say about you at your funeral. What kind of stories would you want them to tell? I mean, Joanna and I have done that. You know, we, we've we been to enough funerals at this point. Uh, it seems like the number is increasing, but uh, we've heard a lot of eulogies and we've talked about, you know, what do we want people to say about us at our funeral or at our memorial service, as it'll be. Anyway, what what are the activities that reflect those values? You know, what are the activities that are currently in your schedule this week? These are all things from... Bill Farrell's post in the 48days.net community on five steps to live with greater intention. So thanks for sharing that, Bill. Lori Powers, uh, she put up a question in the 48days.net community. It says she's having a difficult time understanding the Christian perspective of taking the job that is in your field until the job you truly desire, that is you feel called to do, comes to fruition presently unemployed, seeking to use passions in a more desirable industry, seek others' perspectives supported by Christian ethics. Now she got some amazing feedback from brilliant people in the 48days.net community. So Lori Powers, her discussion on, you know, having a difficult time understanding the Christian perspective of taking a job until what you are called to do really opens up. People give her really good wisdom on that. And I'm, Thrilled to see what happened there. Thrilled to see people who step up to the plate and are willing to say, "This is what I think. This is what has worked for me. Here's a resource that I used effectively." That's the power of the 48 Days.net community. Well, my buddy Hans Venzel wrote me a note. He has just launched his new book, for which I was privileged to write the foreword, and it's "Launch Your Encore." Now, here's a little clip about the book, and this is a book that, if you, if it fits. You'll recognize it here when I read this little clip, no longer retiring at 65 and dying soon thereafter. People are ending up with a whole lot of life left after their main careers are over. A lot of boomers are asking the post-career question, what's next? Most of us don't believe in the R word, traditional retirement. Launch your encore is the answer to the what's next question. We explore how to find adventure and purpose later in life with intentionality. There are dangers to avoid and adventures to explore. Our passion is to help you find meaning and purpose in your 60s, 70s, and 80s. What we have coined is the 60 to 80 window. With the average U.S. life expectancy now reaching 80, we're entering an exciting new stage of life. It might just be that our final act is our greatest. Well, that's a, that's a great overview, but the book is Launch Your Encore. So if you go to launchyourencore.com, you'll see Hans Pinzel's new book, where I wrote the foreword. It's, it's really delightful book as these two guys talk about their own entering that season of life in between 60 and 80 and what you can do effectively there. And yeah, there's a whole lot of us who aren't ready to unplug, sit down, golf every day. Nah, not appealing at all. That's not what, you know, that, that traditional model of retirement is not appealing at all. And I appreciate people like Hans coming along to enlighten us on things that we can do effectively in that period of time where in fact it may be our greatest act well you know this week i I was working with one of our new coaches and i won't give out all the details but he's one of our new coaches came to coaching with excellence and he's working on a book titled the 100 million dollar napkin and what he's going to share in that is you pretty much expect what's coming he and a friend sat down at lunch, sketched out on a napkin, a business idea. They started the business and nine years later sold the business for more than a hundred million dollars. I mean, how cool is that? Now, and now in today's, if I get to some of the questions here today, we're going to hear about business ideas where the person needs an angel. You know, somebody that comes along and puts money in a group or a group of venture capitalists or a generous bank. What could you do if you just went ahead and got started with what you already have i mean a few years ago I had a friend young couple italian couple came to me we sat down he was working he was selling home improvement stuff where he'd go out in the evenings and meet with people and sell them windows and aluminum siding those kind of things you know bored out of his mind but you know just keeping food on the table being responsible and i said well geez you know, what's your dream? What would you really love to do? Well, someday, you know, when I get old and retired and have the money, I'm going to open, open an Italian coffee house. And I said, geez, what would it look like? What would the name be? What kind of music would you play? What kind of food would you serve in addition to coffee? Well, he got excited. So we started mapping some things out. I had him do a little research and he said, well, you know, everything he's seeing says that you need to have between 180 and $220,000 open a coffee house. I said, that's okay. You know, just, just keep telling me, you know, what's it going to look like? What kind of music would you have there? Would you be, do part of the music yourself? Since I know you're a musician, I well, want to make a long story short. He opened cafe Milano as a coffee house with less than $5,000. We don't care if the experts say you have to have $200,000, start with what you have. He got used Furniture, did a splash paint treatment on it, pulled the carpet up. I helped him pull the carpet up in the place and it had a concrete floor that was kind of cool. One wall, we exposed the wall and it was an old brick wall that was right next to, next door was an Italian restaurant. It was a perfect location. He opened it. The most expensive thing was in fact the espresso machine, which he put on a credit card, but uh, opened for less than $5,000 and had immediate success and went on from there. A whole lot of other things, but you know, what could you do if you shot a short video with your iPhone during your lunch break? Could you put that up on YouTube or Facebook and have that be the basis of a new business that you want to start? What could you do if you did a pencil sketch and a blank pad in 15 minutes? Could that somehow open the door? I mean, maybe you could do caricatures. I mean, I, Joanne, and I heard a party recently where, yeah, I was doing caricatures. I talked to him about it. Really fun guy. He stays booked as much as he wants to stays booked. $100 an hour, minimum of four hours. And he just does these quick little sketches, like five minutes a piece. It's a party party entertainment, fun thing to have him around. And he's loving what he's doing. I mean, what business could you start if you seriously just took $100? Now, my friend Chris Gilliboo has a book, The $100 Startup. If you don't have that, get that to tap into your ideas, give you some ideas about what you could do. Yeah, you can start a business with $100. I mean, don't make it so complicated. Sometimes we, we, we think there's obstacles there that don't really exist, except between our own two ears. You don't need a million dollars to start a business. You don't need 200,000. You don't need 50,000. I mean, don't make it so complicated. I mean, think about, think about the book by Dr. Seuss. He wrote... Green eggs and ham. Now he had written, let me think a minute here. I gotta get my details straight on which was you know the, Okay, yeah. He wrote Cat in the Hat, and Cat in the Hat he wrote using two hundred and twenty-five words. Well his publisher kind of made fun of him and said, you know, he's never seen a book with so few words in it. Two hundred and twenty five different words. And they created a bet. And Dr. Seuss promised his publisher that he could write a book using no more than 50 words. He wrote Green Eggs and Ham. It only has 50 different words in it. It's currently ranked as the fourth best-selling English language child's book of all time. 50 words. He purposely, instead of being flowery and flamboyant and proving to us that he had a massive vocabulary. He purposely used only 50 words and has the fourth best children's selling book of all time. I mean, how cool was that? I mean, the most successful business ideas I've had, I've started with virtually nothing. When I was, uh, when I was a little kid, like six, seven years old and would go out in the country door to door selling Christmas cards, I was just taking orders. I didn't spend any money. I was just taking orders. And as people paid me, For those orders, then I would send it in and get the Christmas cards that they ordered. When I was about 15 or 16, actually I was about 14, I guess, I started detailing cars. We lived back on gravel roads. And so once in a while, you know, the county would come through and put down some oil. Well, then it'd make kind of a tacky mess and that oil would get on people's cars. It would reduce the dust. That's why they did it. When you think about it today, it's certainly not ecologically friendly, but that's what they did back then. But it would make the cars a mess. And I would offer, and I was doing this, I would do this for 25 bucks. Now this is a long time ago. I would use rags and things that we had just there in the farm and kerosene that we used for fuel, but kerosene was a non-abrasive kind of cleanser that would break down the oil and thing on the car. So I'd use a little cup of that. And then I ultimately, you know, got a couple of little containers of wax from the car, parts store that and i was ready to go but you know i probably invested five bucks in that business and started making 25 bucks a piece did that a ton when i was in in graduate school multiple times and i would paint houses i'd bid the job i'd have the customer pay for the supplies up front and then i'd get paid for the whole thing when finished having invested nothing but my own time I mean, all the things that i've done have been an investment of my time not requiring a lot of capital the one business where i did bring in investors and bank loans ended up costing me over 10 times what i originally put in I mean, i put in forty thousand dollars had a couple friends do the same thing we leveraged the purchase of a business when it was all said and done i owed four hundred and thirty thousand dollars in debt when it was all finished that's the one time I really tried to put together a group of investors. Incidentally, that one, I went to banks. I went to seven different banks and they said, no, you know, we won't do this. And I'm like, hey, I don't care. I'll get it done anyway. Well, I did. And yeah, it cost me dearly. My biggest leverage, 48 Days to the Work You Love, which began by sharing my Sunday school notes with anyone who wanted them. I mean, I originally started selling my little Sunday school notes put together. We'd go to Kinko's and do a spiral binding on the edge of that thing, sold it for twenty-four dollars and cents. Then I raised it to thirty-nine dollars. But we'd get twenty-five copies of that printed at Kinko's, you know. Then print a few more. Back when Dave Ramsey was starting on the radio, he'd promote it on the radio. Hey, you need to make more money. You know, you can't. It's not going to work if you're making twenty thousand dollars a year and have three children and a stay-at-home wife. You can manage as. Good as you can, but it's going to be tough to make that work. You need to get my buddy dan Miller's forty eight days to the work you love, so you can make more money and that's the kind of that's the kind of system that we started with both of us way back then but uh we'd print up twenty five copies or so then print a few more now each one when we were selling those for thirty nine dollars each one had a profit of about thirty two dollars, so we could sell one and print six more and we just grew the business like that from its own profits. I never got a bank loan or investors. Just grew it as the profits increased. I mean, even today. I mean, last year I started a mastermind. Well, it's just an idea. I just invited people to join me in sharing ideas and resources. Now I had 42 people instantly at $300 a month. Said, "Yeah, I want to do that." There was no cost, no startup cost to that business. I just said, "Here's an idea. We'll all get together and talk, share online once a week." Just an idea. I mean, our events. That we do here. Coaching with excellence, people pay a thousand dollars in advance. So if fifty we just had fifty-one people come to the one that we just had a couple of weeks ago. So that means that we had fifty-one thousand dollars in our account before they ever showed up. So then could we have fun with catered meals? Yeah, geez, we have like famous Dave's come out here with their big red truck set up and do, you know, barbecue right on the premises. You know, we do fun things with meals here, we make workbooks to give out, shower the attendees with gifts and door prizes, but it's all done. In a very simple way there's no big startup cost at all well remember our quotation: attempt mastery but always remain a student well hey we're gonna we're gonna move on here I kind of just morphed into all these stories that we've got that are coming in from people but I do want to get this in here just as a reminder you know that we, we could do nothing at this point but just share success stories for the entire 48 minutes not a bad idea, actually. You know, as I look at the clock right now, it's 24 minutes. We're exactly halfway through today's show, and I've done nothing but share success stories. So we could easily just go on with those, and it'd be a delight doing that, for sure. But I think it is a good mix. We still want to answer some real-life questions for you, the listeners. If you've got a success story or a question, just go to the 48days.com site. Click on Ask Dan and you're going to see the red starburst jump up there where you can either ask a question or you can uh, submit your success story. So Thanks for sharing those. A couple quick notes on, I'm hearing from students who are desperate to get something to make income during the summer. You know, we're too far in already to be looking, but there's a whole lot of things out there that bait students. Things like, you know, gee, here's a job you know, to, you'll be paid $25 an hour for being a nanny. And the out of town advertiser said she was moving to the Bay area, told a tragic tale of how she had lost her husband and a four month old child in a car accident. Her surviving child, she claimed was deaf and wheelbound, wheelchair bound needed constant support. So the young student was uh, upset by this tale of woe, obviously put her in the right frame of mind for the scammer to strike. And then you can probably guess what happened next. You know, she was hired without even an interview because she just sounded like a good person for this. So then she received a check for $3,000 that was supposedly to include her first pay installment of $300. And the balance was to be forwarded to the wheelchair company. So she put the money in her bank account, kept $300, took the $2,700 and forwarded it to another company that was supposed to cover the wheelchair well you know how this ends and it's not good the check bounced about two weeks later you know it takes a while for this to go through and the check bounced and so now she's out the entire twenty seven hundred dollars yeah she got three hundred dollars but i mean what a deal and then there's a whole lot of these things out there i mean just keep in mind if it sounds too good to be true it probably is, but here's a couple things you need to look for. One of the, one of the real popular ones is that they require some kind of an advance fee to put you in their system. You know, they, uh, gee, a lot of times they pass themselves off even as a, a religious organization or a summer camp organizer, and you are supposed to submit a fee. So they get you in the system and that's the end of it. You never get anything else. Uh, identity theft. You know, their companies say, well, we want to deposit right into your bank account, your payments. That's the easiest way for us to do it. So just give us your bank information and we'll start putting those deposits right into your bank account. Again, wow, ouch. Even even those that ask for a cell phone number, be careful because sometimes in the fine print is the fact that you're really what you're doing is signing up for a monthly subscription service like ringtones or jokes. Golly, I, I mean, you know, there's all kinds of work at home scams. Just do your due diligence, check things out. Don't just blindly walk into something because it does sound great. But here's some things just in kind of closing here. I want to move on. But if it looks like easy money, the pace seems too good to be true. It's probably too good to be true don't be taken in by that. You know, if somebody reaches out to you, you didn't even respond to anything. They're reaching out to you and say, Hey, we, we think you'd be just great, you know, for our little program. If the employer doesn't seem interested in your qualifications or background, they don't ask you for references or details of past experience. They just assure you you're perfect for the position regardless. Yeah, that ought to be a red flag. Nobody hires somebody in a legitimate position without wanting to know something about them and about their past. Be careful about email addresses that are generic, you know, that come from like Hotmail or Yahoo rather than, or even like Gmail. You know, if, if it comes from a legitimate company, it ought to come from that company. You know, if you get an uh, email from me now, certainly I've got a Gmail address, but you're going to get it. If it's anything regarding the company, it'll be from, 48days.com so it'll be a customer service at 48days.com or whatever it happens to be um the employer claims to be either out of the country or traveling around that's a really common red flag again or here's another one the job description or offer is written in poor english with spelling and grammatical mistakes yeah we're not just profiling here believe me but there's a whole lot of people sitting in other parts of the world that are putting together these little scams that take advantage of college students naivete and uh, so that ought to be a red flag so we're not just criticizing people who are uneducated not at all but it should be a red flag if you get some kind of a job offer that's done in that way well let me move into some questions here gerald says dan i need advice I've been with my municipality, J-O-B, 11 years, but I don't enjoy it. I always believed I would do something else one day. I'm expected to take the management position next year when my boss retires. I'm a youth minister, volunteer for 15 years. I experienced God's call vocationally eight years ago. You know, that, that's always, that's one of those things that I, I want to dig deeper with people. I'm not sure how they experience God's call vocationally. I'm not sure what that means. I know what it often means when somebody tells me, Dan, God's called me to full-time ministry. I know what's coming next. Dan, will you give me money? I mean, that I do understand, uh, but I'm still not sure how they hear that so clearly. Anyway, let me go on. I turned on a position, uh, then I obtained a BS degree in religion. I love the idea of entrepreneurship. I've tried a few things in the past. I enjoy youth work. I'm passionate Uh, about in my spiritual walk but not sure of a career in it i wrestle with calling versus my passions i seek to do what god desires and don't want to do the wrong thing i say i trust him to guide me but i know i'm blessed in my current position but my desire is elsewhere all right well gerald you've got a whole lot of different components floating around here and i don't know of a way to sort through your particular situation other than to come down to the three basic legs of the stool that i talk about again and again and again And that is for you to really experience that sweet spot where things come together. There's got to be a convergence of passion, talent, and what I call economic affirmation money. Those have to come together. So if you are passionate and incidentally, I believe that that intersection, we could also call that your calling. So unless you have figured out a way to blend passion, talent, and money, I don't think you've found your calling. If you have the passion for something, but there's no way to support your family in doing that, I don't think that's something God's calling you to. I just feel that strongly about that. It ought to blend those three things. So if you have something that is providing your financial needs and doing that well, that's not something to be taken lightly. And you're calling in as much as you explain it as being something where you're working more in the church directly. That may be something you do on the side, you know, that you do 10 or 15 hours a week that you do as part of a balanced, fulfilled life, but where, you know, it's never going to generate the money you need. So don't force it to be something that it's not. You may have the perfect balance already and what that looks like. Well, great, great question. And again, there's so many variations on that, but hopefully that'll give you a little bit to kind of think about it at least as you plan out for the next few years. Benjamin says, I'm afraid to engage with the community. I joined your 48days.net community to help gain some support. But as I've been browsing the community, I've come to the realization that I'm afraid to become part of a community. Every time I would go to post something on there to ask for my help, my mind would first find excuses not to post it. I'm afraid I'm going to waste people's time. Afraid it would be discovered that I'm a fraud. It's almost debilitating. Even when I have advice for someone who has posted on 48days.net, I have the same feelings. How do I get over this fear? And Benjamin, you go on to say that you completed your first season of your podcast. Commudgeon Cafe, I'm planning to launch season two in July I would I like can move forward with enough confidence to share my work with the world. Well, if you have something to share of value, then you have the obligation to share that with others. And what you're describing it's really, really clear. We could define it as fear. It's nothing but fear, whether it's fear of criticism, fear of the negativity of other people, fear of those who are going to try to hold you back criticize your opinions or whatever. I mean, that's just part of engaging. I mean, there's an old quotation attributed to Aristotle that says to avoid criticism, say nothing, do nothing, be nothing. If you don't want criticism, that's what you need to do. Do nothing. Just stay under the radar, keep your head down. Nobody will criticize you. But as soon as you do anything extraordinary, you're going to get criticism. I mean, someone asked in last week's podcast about how to grow an audience without getting any negative feedback. It's impossible. You you can't write a blog and not to expect and not expect to get some kind of criticism. There's always going to be people who want to hold you down, pull you down, Criticize what you're doing, try to convince you that you will fail. So the question is not how to avoid that. The question is, are you going to let that determine what this next season in your own life looks like? Are you in fact going to try to avoid criticism at all costs? And if so, you're going to absolutely reduce to zero your ability to do anything meaningful, extraordinary, or financially rewarding. Just assume that's true. So we could, we could almost make a scale of that. The less criticism that you're getting, the lower you're going to keep yourself on the financial scale. If you're willing to open yourself up to massive criticism and people saying you're stupid and ridiculous, you just open the door or you could make millions of dollars. Do you think Richard Branson gets criticism for his crazy ideas or Mark Cuban or Steve Jobs Bill Gates or Dave Ramsey. I mean, we could go on and on. Yeah, they get massive criticism. Does it bother them? Apparently, not enough to stop them because they just keep going. Hey, that's what I advise as well. Well, let me bring this up just as a reminder here. You're listening to the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Questions from you, the listeners. I love opening this mailbox. Going through the questions that you submit during the week. If you've got a question, just go to 48days.com, click on the Ask Dan tab, and you'll see an opportunity there to submit your question. You can write it in the little yellow or the little red box that pops up, or you can just speak. You can just start talking if you want to do it there as well. Leave me an audio message. Jared says, I hate my job as a coffee shop manager. I'm 27. I've bounced around jobs since I graduated college six years ago. Due to my work, I'm miserable. My wife of almost a year and I have a goal of making her a stay-at-home mom once we have kids. After reading your books, I want to start a new career working for myself, but I don't know where to start. I would love to be a career coach and a branding consultant, but I don't think people will take me seriously due to my age and my few years in the workplace. I don't know what step to take next. I feel stuck, but ready to make a move into controlling my own income. I know you can't tell me exactly what to do, but maybe you have an idea as for a direction to start. Well, Jared, I appreciate your question. And I I think for you to position yourself as a career coach or branding consultant, when you have done nothing, but be in jobs that you hate personally, that's a pretty weak positioning. You don't have to have everything perfect in your life to position yourself as a coach or, or a friend who can encourage others, but You need to have figured out some things that work for you. You draw on those. You can continue learning, but you need to have a little more success in your own life. So you need to go look in the mirror and say, who am I? What is it that I bring to the table? What are my unique skills and abilities? What are my personality tendencies? What are my values, dreams, and passions? How can I engage those in something that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable? So you may start and and this is a great way to learn how to be a career coach as well to engage with a career coach. I mean, if you go to the 48 days.com site, click on coaching with Dan. Now, you know, you fill out a little format there form profile there, and we'll screen that and connect you with one of our coaches. That would be a great way to figure this out for yourself. So you get a little success and it also teach you about how to be a career coach by being on the other side of the table initially. So that's what I would recommend. Yeah, you need a little more positive experience yourself before you position yourself in that way. Now this comes from Scott, who says, uh, this is one. he says I'm writing to you because I feel compelled to tell you a little bit about my story and to be a voice for the ordinary American worker who want, works a JOB. Now this is very lengthy. I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but he says for the better part of 12 years, I've been basically doing what you teach long before I knew about you and your message, things like looking within, assessing my strengths and weaknesses, profiling my personality, taking an inventory, my interests and passions, then creating a plan and acting on that plan. Unfortunately for me and my family, this has resulted in many trials and tribulations as I've had many jobs in three very different industries over the last 12 years in an insatiable attempt to find my calling. Again, we're kind of chasing our tail here in this attempt to find our calling. Calling is where you can find the convergence of passion, talent, and money. Scott continues, I'll be 47 years old next week. Once again, I find myself starting a new new job, actually two new jobs in two new fields. Although it's difficult to start over and accept where I am at this point in my life, I find that I'm more grateful and humble to have a regular, steady job and the things it provides for my family talks about his mother-in-law mother-in-law just retired from working as an associate at walmart for over 22 years work that she would hardly consider her passion or calling but they needed the health benefits it provided and yes the modest income because her husband has had heart disease for the last 25 years so they're grateful for the job at walmart i admire you dan for all you do to help people find work they love keep doing what you're doing i've read much of your material and so on. Thanks for taking the time to read my letter. Keep up the good work that you do. Well, you know, I'm I'm uh, certainly supportive of people who have J-O-Bs, but when it's a J-O-B that is frustrating, discouraging, and really not giving you any kind of fulfillment at all, nothing but if the only reward is a paycheck, then I still think there's got to be a better way. Now, that may be a, another J-O-B. I mean, I certainly don't encourage everybody just to walk out of jobs and uh, hope that everybody ends up being an entrepreneur. Not at all. Not at all. There's a whole lot of you that are well-suited to having a great job, bring value to a company and are are engaged in what the company is doing and are rewarded fairly as a result of your contribution there. So I'm I'm not against that by any means. um, And I hope that I never imply that at all. But again, if the feeling is, well, I am just stuck, I'm trapped in this stinking... JOB, I hate it. it's sucking the life out of me. Yeah, then something's wrong. I mean what I want is just for people to know the entire scope of opportunities out there that include jobs, consulting, independent contractor, freelancing, entrepreneur, you know all those different kind of variations that we have out there in legitimate work today. I want you to see the entire scope of options and choose what fits you best. And if that is a job, then hold your head high and do it with excellence. Okay, Steve says, Dan, these days it seems that there's a plethora of personal development and growth. Now, this is a really great question. I may just end with this one, got some others, but I think I may end with this one. There's a plethora of personal development and growth coaching and other experts who have the class, the program, the seminar, the live event that can take my life to the next level and beyond. And for just $97 or 997 dollars or $1,997 or even $19,997, I can climb out of my boring rut and start to soar. And they all sound interesting. I'm ready to take the next steps in pursuing my growth and to start living out my passion but I do not have unlimited funds to participate in everything that sounds interesting. Can you provide some tips or guidelines for evaluating these kinds of offers or programs to make sure our dollars are wisely spent? Perhaps you can use your own life coaching event for comparison purposes. Thanks. That comes from Steve in Flower Mound, Texas. Flower Mound, Texas. Well, Steve, that's a great question. And I want to give you some guidelines that I've certainly used effectively you know, as my income has changed pretty radically over the years. But I would encourage anybody, I encourage you to invest three to five percent of your current income on personal development. So let's just walk through this a minute. So if you're making $3,000 a month, you could invest 90 to $150 a month. That means you could go to one $1,500 seminar and spend $300 on great books during the course of the year. That's if you're making 3000 bucks. If you make $10 an hour, you could invest $85 a month on personal improvement. And with that, I'm totally confident you can transform your life in 12 months. See the investments as an ongoing process. You know, you're not looking for that one magic pill. You're simply committed to the process of continuous learning and personal development. So no matter what your current income is, over time, you will separate yourself from the people you're now working and living with. Now you ask about coaching with excellence. If someone is making $1,250 an hour or $500 a week, or let's see, that'd be $24,000 a year. 5% of that would be $1,200. Now it's going to cost at least that much to come to coaching with excellence. You know, travel expenses, staying in a hotel, whatever, even if you drive. And and frankly, you know, if you're making $1,250 an hour, I'd encourage you to get some great books and go to local workshops rather than coming to an event like Coaching with Excellence, but there are a whole lot of people out there who could dramatically change their life if they invested in themselves. But you know what we hear all the time? You do as well. I can't afford it. I can't afford it, but they have, you know, they're making $40,000 a year. They have a $12 lunch every day. They stop at Starbucks on their way home, have cable TV and a $300 a month car payment. It's not that they can't afford the books. Workshops and seminars that would change their lives. They just haven't decided that's an important yet. I was investing in books and workshops when I wasn't sure I could pay the electric bill that month. I just was that serious about what it was that I was headed toward. But if we take an income, I mean, look at, look at even like, Forty thousand dollars a year. So let's say you're making forty thousand dollars a year. You'd really like to double or triple or quadruple that, but you know you just you can't afford to to go to seminars and workshops. Well, with with my rule of thumb here, forty thousand dollars. Let's see, five percent of that's going to be two thousand dollars. With two thousand dollars, you can radically change your opportunities. Now, are there seminars out there for nine ninety seven or nineteen ninety seven? That aren't worth much. Yeah. Unfortunately there are, you know, do your, do your deal, do diligence, check them out, talk to other people who've been through. I mean, do something, get, get a lesser expensive product from that person to kind of try it out and see if you resonate with what they're talking about. But don't regret the fact that you spend $97 on something. If it turns out to be worthless, just Be comfortable with the idea that you're committed to this process of continuous learning. You're not looking for the one right thing that's going to dramatically change your life. You are committed to the process of engaging in things that are going to change your life over a period of time. Great question. Love it. I'd be delighted to respond to any of you individually about your particular situation and show you how, yeah, I think you can expose yourself to the materials that can dramatically change your life. Don't settle for less. Remember our quotation, attempt mastery, but always remain a student.
0: Stuck in the J-O-B, can someone set me free? I've had enough of this. This life is meaningless. These hours don't pay enough. This work is so tough I need to get away, the clock is ticking so don't delay, it's gonna take your whole heart, it's gonna take all you've got, to make the future you want, to change the future you